It is a feeling. And I think if we start orienting ourselves to what does success feel like rather than what does it look like, we realize in any moment we get to consistently choose success. And not only that, we get to have more of an experience of success all the time. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? Today's guest is a natural born leader. She's also a gifted musician, songwriter, podcaster, and one of the nicest, badass women you will ever meet. Her Unconventional Life live event has been wildly successful and was ranked the number one event for entrepreneurs to attend in 2018 by Inc. Magazine. Already a hugely successful entrepreneur by an early age, she didn't truly find clarity in her purpose until a near-death experience in 2005. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Jules Schroeder. Yay, Patrick. So good to be here. I'm so good. It's such an honor. I think back to so many moments of our journey, particularly our first phone call. I think you were maybe in Costa Rica in a jungle somewhere and probably where you are now and just, you know, being like, we are two people on the same soul path. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun, fun last few years. And uh, I'm well, I'm out in Colorado in the mountains and it's, it's been a wild time. Well, I've had the pleasure of witnessing you for the last couple of years and uh, your business ventures, uh, your relationships, um, your venture into your artistry and your creativity and your musicality. And it's just been such a pleasure to witness. So I'm really excited to dive in and just sort of see where you're at and in your development at this moment. So I thought a beautiful way to start would be with sort of like a fundamental question, which is what is your definition of success and has it changed over time? Yeah, such a good question. You know, I think if you had asked me this growing up, I grew up as the oldest of five girls. My dad worked Wall Street in New York City. He definitely followed a very linear trajectory. He climbed the corporate ladder. I remember being like 16 and I'd come to my dad with these ideas and he'd be like, what's the path to financial revenue? And I'd be like, I just am trying to like brainstorm something as a 16 year old. (laughs) And uh, I really started to see not necessarily what was right with something, but where the the holes were and where the opportunities were. And I think that really shaped my lens. But I think at the same time, you know, anytime I would receive success, you know, I started my first six-figure company at 18, seven-figure company at 22. By the time I was 24, I had a business partner embezzled a bunch of money, went into $200,000 worth of debt. But like, even in all of that, I still never received the actual impact or that hit of fulfillment of I'm becoming successful or I feel successful. There was always this, well, what's missing? What could be better? And I think a lot of us, you know, we relate to this in the sense where it's like, you know, we think about success and it's like, when I have X, Y, and Z, then I will feel a certain way. And then that will be success. 
But what I've noticed in my own life through all of these twists and turns is that the gap stays consistent. It just keeps going as you go higher up the mountain, meaning that you get to one goal, but then your goal is already shifted by the time you've gotten there. And so we never actually get the felt experience of success. And for me, I would relate success as a feeling of congruency. It's when I feel this sense of internal knowing matches what I feel in my external reality for me, that feels like success. It is a feeling. And I think if we start orienting ourselves to what does success feel like rather than what does it look like, we realize in any moment we get to consistently choose success. And not only that, we get to have more of an experience of success all the time. It's not this one and done thing. And I've seen so many people through my events and you know, you as well that do great things in the world, including myself, yet they never feel that accomplishment. And if you're listening to this right now, it is coming back to the being, right? Like it is in a state of being. And so for me, that success is dropping in with myself and feeling those real-time hits of joy moment and that congruency. And that's what I use as my guiding uh, guiding flame. So. Mm, that is absolutely beautiful. And I love that. It gives me chills just thinking about it. So that's fantastic. So how did you make that shift though from sort of the, you know, your, your father instilled in you the drive for success and the revenue model? How did you make that shift into more an embodied? feeling of success? Like what are some of the practices or techniques that you use currently that to, to keep you coming back to that place? Yeah. Well, I would say my biggest teacher was uh, life's consistent, humble dose of humility. <laughs> again and again, smacking my face on the ground, business partner embezzling, relationships ending, like constant, like, you know, and I think, you know, listeners, it's like, we go through these moments where you're just like, really, can you really give me more? Like how much shit is going to keep going wrong? Why can't I make the money? Why can't I do the things that I know I'm destined to do? And so I think I've eaten a lot of humble pie over <laughs> many years. And that's been uh, one of the biggest teachers. And I think that's the, you know, I would say part of it is in really listening too, because I think any time that we have an attachment to what we want to have happen, you can have a commitment to something and then we have an attachment to the form that we want it to show up in. I've learned to recognize that if I hold an intention and it becomes easy and effortless, like the right people, the right opportunities, you know, the right things present themselves, then that is the right timing and that is alignment for that thing to occur and exist. And then there's times that I might have the best intention and I'm like, it's got to be this way and it's resistance. I can't seem to get the contracts. No one seems to be interested. And that for me is an indicator that it's just a not right now kind of thing. And so I learned to listen and there, I think there's this intersection of what I want to have happen and what wants to happen. And so it's this listen of what I want to do and drive for myself, but what ultimately is the greater intelligence and wisdom that wants to come through here. And so how I've learned to orient that is stepping back and saying, okay, if I'm a creator, if I'm a conduit, if I'm an instrument, whether it's in a company that I'm building or whether it's in a new album or you know a new project... Can I also allow myself to have my own agenda, but be open to the agenda of what's presenting itself in real time? And one of the practices I use, I call it tracking aliveness. So it's noticing where do I feel natural pull, natural aliveness in something right now. And as a you know a musician, a songwriter, a, a yoga teacher, a 
business coach and all these different identities, if I tried to feel alive in all of those things at the same time, I probably wouldn't get anything done because I would be spinning in all these directions. But instead I notice I'm like, man, you know, launching this, we were just talking about this program I'm about to launch called Threshold, which is this like art innovation and impact program for, you know, conscious artists and thought leaders. Like if my aliveness is there, can I allow that to naturally carry the momentum forward versus like, I might have an idea of like, well, I know that I want to plan an event next year and blah, 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 but it's COVID right now. And no one really wants to travel and all these things are happening. I might have an intention but that doesn't feel so alive in my system. It doesn't feel like there's natural expansion and opportunity there. I instantly can feel the 10 reasons of why that might hold me back. It doesn't mean it's a wrong idea. It just means that might not be the most alive to follow in this moment. And, you know, I think, you know, listeners, it's asking yourself, you know, one thing you can do is you can map out you know, everything in your life, like every single task or everything either that you want to do or that you have on your plate right now. And after you do that, just give it a one to 10 ranking, you know, 10 being like maximum aliveness of like, oh my God, I'm jumping for joy. Like, I can't wait to get in there. And one being like, man, it just kind of feels like flat in my system. And I notice that when I start orienting myself to prioritize what's the eight and above on my aliveness scale in terms of what I'm acting on right now, real time in this moment, and I take that like eight and below for like, it's just a not right now. Not that it's not a good idea. Not that it's not important, but I let what's most alive lead the way. I think that's a window into where we have alignment. And I think we hear these stories of where synchronicity happens or these windfalls seem to appear. I don't think they're accidental. I believe we're actually the source of them and how we become the source of them. Just as if we go to the gym to train our muscles and things like that, we also have to train our environment to say, hey, I'm a consistent actor on things that are alive, eight and above, and a consistent actor on things that are aligned. And to those other things that we might feel like we should have to do or are nice to do, I'm actually going to give those the space to pop in their own time. And that's a different orientation in some ways, but I find that practice is one of the things that I most you know, often live by. And it's something, you know, I call it like the hell yes or no is another way to frame it as well. Like, do you feel this full body 10 out of 10, like want to come on this all explains pay trip? And if it's that, follow that. That is an indicator. And if it's not, then there's just a no or a not right now. And can that be okay? That you might have the best idea in the world and it's just a not right now for this moment. And can you be patient and humble and wait to be in that slipstream? Because I do believe that there is um, intentionality behind that. So that's definitely something I live by. And I've seen, you know, friends of huge companies practice this simple thing. And I'm sure, you know, you and your own life as well have your own experience with it. But it really moves the needle and the simplicity of this practice year after year I come back to. Mm, it's just beautiful. I love that description of uh, the aliveness scale. The, one of the parts of it that trips me up, though, is it's, I think underneath it fundamentally is a level of trust. And it's a trust in that knowingness that needs to be cultivated within, within you. And so many of us get caught in the strategy and the business and the marketing and the techniques. Like, okay, I need to make money and I need to do it this way and I need to put frameworks in. And so trusting that sort of aliveness or that um, alignment when the, the results or the framework doesn't seem apparent right in front of you is what a lot of people struggle with. Me, definitely. Especially when, you know, there's financial um, commitments, like I'm a father and so I need to be making money. And so, you know, the things that 
for me, you know, that, that feel really alive. It's like, I don't see where the revenue is going to come from. So it's like, okay, I need to put that on the back burner so I can actually make money to feed my family. You know, so there's a bit of a, um, uh, a conflict within me at times with there. And so it, for me, it's taken cultivating a lot of trust and a lot of self-awareness to, to tune into that alignment and know that as long as I follow my highest path and my bliss and your alignment, that it will work out and the opportunities will come. So I think that's, you know, that's fundamental, but I just, I love that. The hell yes test is something I use all the time <laughs> that I learned from you. Totally. And, and I think too, you know, with that though, Patrick, it's like, if we don't have our basic needs met, you know, in terms of survival, I think it can be really challenging at times to hold both of these, but I think it comes back to choice. You know, it's like, I'm choosing to do this job right now, such that I know I will have the mental resource and more like capacity to create because I know these needs are met rather than I'm stuck in this job. It's happening to me. I can never get what I want or whatever it might be. I think there's really something to be said about conscious choice. And there's been times in my life and there still are where I'm like, shit is not working. Like, okay, I might've had success. Like, am I even going to ever have it again? Is anything I have to say valuable? Like how, who was that person that did those things? And so like, I think that's uh, a normal part of this whole process, but I think our intentionality around our choice. Um, yeah, it's so important. So yeah, totally. And what you're describing for me is like victim versus creator consciousness. Like if you are in a job that isn't, you know, it's not the job you want to be in. Can you resist falling into the woe is me? And why is this happening to me? And you know, you depression, and then you end up numbing out with alcohol, drugs, or, you know, all sorts of things. It, can you view it as a vehicle, a stepping stone to get to where you really want to be? So you end up doing the best job you can at that job, even if it's not your best, you know, your your ideal situation in order for you to take the next step, you know, and that's, I think, really relevant for a lot of people. So with that in mind, you know, with the world changing so rapidly right in front of our faces, what what do you think the skills and the the tech techniques we should be focusing on and, de and developing now that will be useful in this sort of new world that's emerging. Yeah, we are in a new world. <laughs> it is so good. I was supposed to bring together 500 artists, musicians, and thought leaders on a cruise ship in Italy, which kind of sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit in the world of COVID these days. But, you know, I think... <laughs> Like, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> Talk about reorientation. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, it's really a shift from the external into the internal. So I think for a while, the prioritization of external skills was so important. And the internal were more just luxuries, right? Oh, if I have time to regulate my mood, if I have time to regulate my self-care, if I have time to meditate, these were more in the realm of luxury. And I think now that we've seen this shift happen, we're realizing that at the end of the day, we don't really have much control over the external environment. We don't know if the pandemic's going to hit another wave. We don't know, like, and in some ways, as frustrating and intense as that is, it's also beautiful. We literally have to surrender to inherent uncertainty of our external environments. You can have all the plans in the world, and they can literally, in a second, be, be just gone right now. <laughs> So like, there's no questioning that that's part of the context we're in right now. So with that, the only thing we can control is ourselves. And for the first time being able to prioritize and cultivate even my own self, like I hit, 
you know, the last few months I've been in a period. Like I literally, I was like talking to psychiatrists and psychologists and they're like, we think you're bipolar. We think you're this, we think you're that. And I'm like, am I bipolar? Am I these things? Am I that? And so like, it's had me really look at like, how do I deal with stress? What's my relationship to uncertainty, fear? I watched an entire year's worth of income be gone in a second. They still have hundreds of thousands of dollars like on this cruise ship. You know, we still haven't gotten back yet. And so what can I control, which is myself? And how do I start to orient my own protocols to resource what I need? And I think now wherever we go moving forward how you win the game, if there's a winning this game at life, is getting really good at winning and being in relationship with yourself. And I think that, you know, for myself, it's like recognizing what are my triggers? What are the things that blow me out? And then also, what what do I hold on to unnecessarily? What do I fret over? Or what do I get anxiety over? That frankly isn't really irrelevant, you know? And then the last thing, like, what do I say yes to? And I think this is another thing is so many of us have let go of what doesn't really, really matter because we simply had to. It almost like it took care of itself. Like those plans that you had or those trips that you were going to do or, you know, those things that you said yes to, it's like, what are we really giving our, our life to? And so those three things of like what actually really matters, how do I manage my own internal state, you know, and then, and then ultimately how do I use that to then lead my life? I think that's what we're going to see is so huge. And I think the last part is now we want more. So what we do choose to give ourselves to, it has to include all of ourselves. Like, you know, people all over were going to work in offices and now they're working from home and realizing they have all this extra time and they're actually being more effective than they were spending eight hours at an office and a computer. So it's kind of the whole landscape is, in my opinion, shifting. And so I think this is the time to look at your own self-expression, your artistic expression, your creative expression, even if you feel like you're not an artist or whatever that you don't, you know, those terms mean. But I think the only way we move forward is the integration of all parts of the whole. This is not, you know, this um, consciousness we've been in has been around separation and around scarcity and all these different things. And I think we're being invited into a wave of wholeness starting with ourselves, and then ultimately watching all these collaborations that are happening in the world right now that would have never happened pre- previously. So I think we're really moving from separation consciousness into oneness, unity consciousness. And, and it's a very exciting time, but it requires that in yourself first of like, man, I didn't want to look at that piece for the last 10 years, but all right, I'm going to welcome that in, you know? And, uh, and so I see that that happening. And I think the invitation here is to really allow those pieces to come forward and consider those are the missing ingredients to the success success and to the things that you're building um, from this point forward. So, Absolutely. Beautiful. And I couldn't agree more. I think these current times are really um, amplifying what is already present in us. And so for a lot of us, if we have had, you know, skeletons in the closet or stuff beneath the surface that we weren't dealing with, it's being forced to the surface, (laughs) which it can be incredibly challenging and uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, But I think what you said about integration is that, and this is especially true for me, is that the stuff I didn't want to deal with, I kind of pushed down and I kind of numbed out and I just kind of looked the other way, but not recognizing that it's part of me as well. 
like the trauma or the emotional wounds or the scared little child, you know? And so turning towards it and, and giving it what it needs, the space it needs to be healed and then bringing it back into myself to be integrated, not to be pushed away or to, sh to be shamed. That is so important to coming back to wholeness is exactly what you're talking about. And then from, from that point, creating and being and working and having success from that inner wholeness is going to be so important for everybody. I think the whole species moving forward. Um, you mentioned artist artistry and creativity. So this is a great transition. Did you want to say something after that? Oh, I was just going to add, yeah, the, I think shame and guilt is definitely, you know, I think in fear, like such these parts of ourselves, and they require this attention. So yeah, I just was loving what you were saying. So, yeah, great. Um, so we actually met in first and uh, first in person at your unconventional life in Bali about two and a half years ago. And I remember from that time you were, um, making a bit of a transition from your entrepreneurship and your business background and embracing your creativity more, your music specifically. And I was so inspired by that. I'm even getting chills right now <laughs> thinking about it. And, uh, that's part of the reason I was attracted to you because it was so inspiring what you were doing. Um, so I just want to, I want to dive into sort of your creativity and how that has changed, like how you began to recognize that you want to embrace it more deeply. Um, so like, how would you describe your current relationship with creativity? Yeah, I would say evolving. <laughs> I would say that it's fluid. And, um, and I would say that, you know, the irony is I've had it that the two had to live so inherently separate coming back to what we were talking about, you know, in this previous conversation, but they really are one of the same. The source is one of the same. How I create in business, whether it's hosting these like exotic events in Bali or Madagascar or wherever it is, it comes from the same well. Yet through conditioning, through my mind, I'm like, oh, these two things, like I can be totally expressed here. But man, when it comes to my singing, like I'm so shy and so vulnerable. And so all these pieces and, you know, Patrick, it took me nine years to make my first independent album, nine years. And like, if you knew me, like as a business person, like I just throw shit out like that, you know, I'm like, Oh, we're doing an event. We're going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. No big deal. But when it came to my music, nine years to finally make an album. And now I've actually made three albums in the last like two and a half, three years or whatever. And I'm like a constant writing machine. But I think it's sometimes it was just like getting over that hump that one, I could have permission per my mission. There was space for me to be here. And the other part is impact because I think as a business person, as an entrepreneur, it's like, I want to impact other people and what I notice about being an artist, it's other people's impact on me that actually really fuels. And it's almost being fueled in a different reciprocal relationship. And instead of looking at how can I impact them with my songs, it's how can I almost receive the impact of, of what's actually happening through my songs. And uh, that's been a really interesting shift because I'm not out there like, how can I deliver the best offering or product or event that will then cause X, Y, and Z transformation? It's like, how can I just let this thing, how can I deliver this thing in its pure expression and then let whatever wants to happen through that expression trickle back and feed me? And I think as an artist and as artists, that's something we often cut ourselves off from. You know, I talked to so many, you know, incredible, you know, people, one being David Block from Human Experience as a DJ and Gone Gone Beyond. He like has had all this success, but he's still like, does this song make a difference? Does anyone give a shit? Like, does it ever matter? And I, you know, go through these moments where if I'm not connected to that reciprocal relationship of impact, sometimes it's like, 
why should I even sit down on my piano this day? Like, so what? I'll write another song in the abyss and like, will it ever even get out there? And so I think the journey of my art and relationship to my art, it's like the journey of myself in so many ways. And I feel like it's a mile marker of humility, but also my dignity and my, my sovereignty in it. And uh, now I actually do feel like that artist identity feels like it's like integrating you know, in me. And I love like, I have friends that are doing online summits and they're like, do you want to come do a music segment rather than being like, do you want to come give a talk on business? And I'm like, yes, I don't want to give any more business talks. I want to play my songs. And like, I still, you know, we'll do both, right? Because it's both and. Um, but it's been really cool to watch that ripple start to transpire. And there's also part of me that's like, does anyone even care? Will I ever really be known as an artist? And I just trust that the gifts that I'm being given and I relate to it through God is like that will pave the way. My art will pave the way in whichever way, as long as I'm unattached to, you know, exactly the mm. how. So. Yeah. Beautiful. So much of it is about that trust and that surrender that we were talking about earlier, you know, just trusting that what you're doing yeah, and, and impact, you know, that's an interesting word for me too. Like, especially in the entrepreneurial, you know, community, it's like, okay, well, what do you mean by impact? Like what kind of impact are you trying to make with what set of values? You know, you can be, you know, you could say that some of the tyrants over time have made it a massive impact, but not necessarily a good one. Right. <laughs> so that, that's one aspect of it, but <laughs> right. Totally. So what, what, what does it mean to make a thought? And I think it's assumed maybe wrongly, but usually rightly that most of the people, at least in our community are trying to make a positive impact, which means personal transformation and self-awareness and, and business, of course. Um, but really trusting that your creativity is part of that is so important. And is it enough, you know, that, like the, the fundamental impulse, I think, of evolution is just for each of us to be better, you know, to continue to evolve, to get better as, a, as an individual, right? And so and the more we can be better as an individual, the more we show up in community and family and society and are able to contribute to that. And so is being self-expressed through your creativity or your music, you know, that, that is fundamentally making the world a more beautiful place. You know, it might not be on a massive scale where you're playing stadiums and making millions of dollars, but it, that's just a construct, you know, is that more impact or it doesn't matter, right? So th those are some of the things I've, I've been thinking about. Yeah, and like who even decided or just, I was going to say, and who even decided that construct, right? We look at like entrepreneurship as a disruptor where we're like, who said it should be one of 13 career paths? Like, no, screw that. There's a million one ways to make money in the world. And I think as an artist, the similar things happening, like who said that that should have all the money and that should get all the things. It's like watching both disruptions happen. So. Yeah, totally. So uh, your creativity now, how would you describe, like when you sit down to write a song or even, a, or come up with a business plan, how would you describe your creative process? Yeah. The biggest one I would say is I really believe that we are all channels, meaning that we all, as if we have like a hose hooked up in us through the sky, we have the ability to allow creativity, our life force essentially, to come through and then express itself out there. And I view myself almost as a translator for that that is coming through. So my job isn't necessarily to try to control it or to whatever, but more steer it and more guide it. And so for myself, I learned to recognize when do I feel these impulses 
And this comes back to that period of listening and kind of tuning in. I'll feel, man, there's something, there's a song that wants to come through. And usually, I mean, sometimes it was like I wrote a song a week ago and it was like one in the morning and I was so tired. I'm like, there's a song that wants to come through. I'm like, really? Right now? Like this is inconvenient. You know, we have a convenience factor of when we want to allow our, our, our gifts to express themselves. But I've learned over years, you know, to just to allow that. And it was an epic song and I wrote it in an hour and it's like, it's amazing, you know? And so I pay respect to the instrument and I learn to recognize in myself when I get those cues that it's time. And, you know, I remember I would um, come back and, you know, give these big talks and I don't prepare for my talks. I don't have PowerPoints and I just actually channel, co-create with what is there. And I just show up on stage and I allow it to come through. And when I was first doing that, I would get these brain fogs and these headaches and all this anxiety. And I'd be like, oh my God, how am I going to ever speak anything? Like, what am I even going to say? And all this natural stuff. And then I learned to recognize, oh, that's just my channel telling me that something really big is about to happen. Got it. Thanks for that feedback. Now I know I can show up and be present with what wants to wants to come through. And so, um, so that's the first piece is listening for the indicators that my gift wants to thrive. What are the conditions to thrive for my gift's expression? And can I learn to be a yes when I'm having this communication, you know, when I'm having this dialogue back and forth with my gifts? And then once I am there, then it's just allowing that process. And sometimes it flows really easily for me. I make up most of my music in the moment, meaning I'll put on my voice recorder and entire songs will download. And then I'll come back and I'll actually transcribe what I said and I'll fill in the gaps and then boom, there's a song. And I was given a a grant with the Canadian government last year. Uh, I think you remember that project. And I did 11 songs and they were all just channeled songs that came out and then got recorded. And then we had like a gospel choir. We had 22 musicians on the project, string section, horn section, like the whole thing. Um, That's happening later this uh, year, by the way, that album will come out. But it's, you know, allowing that process. And it took me... Like my whole life to realize how I write songs is in the moment. I don't sit down with a piece of paper and hope to write the best lyrics in the world. I sit down, I feel an impulse. I put my hands on the piano or the ukulele. I put on the voice recorder. It comes out. I transcribe it and it's done. And it's not mine to judge, but I am just the translation for it. And sometimes there's lyric lines that I'm like, what? Like I'll say shit and I'm like, huh? You want that to be like, this doesn't even make any sense. And then someone else will be like, that one lyric that you said, oh my gosh, it opened worlds. And like, so we can't judge, nor can we understand why what's coming through us is coming through us. The only thing we can do is be the best steward of what's coming through us, create the best conditions for it to thrive, and then just honor the completion when it's done, it's done. It lives. And this is something I've done. I've been so, I've hoarded it. I'm like, I can't even let my byproduct like get out there, but it's like, we have to share it. And it's just like, you know, coming back to even energy and universal um, flow of life force, it has to move cyclically. And so we have to create, release, and let it go. And it has to keep happening or we get backlogged. We get constipated with our gifts. And until we clear the backlog, until we allow ourselves to share our gifts, our business ideas, the work we have in the world, more can't come in. So if you're feeling stuck right now, you might just be a little bit constipated. And you might just actually need to release a whole chunk such that more can prime the pump again. And that's, you know, a continual thing I'm in, in, in relationship with. So 
<laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. I love what you're talking about. It's like the, the creative channel and how, how we get so much noise and distortion in it that it's, it's up to us to be conscious of and to, to consciously clear, you know, and so this is definitely something I've struggled with. And a lot of artists I talk to um, struggle with as well is like, how do you maintain that clarity so you can be listening? So you can create the conditions for when the impulse strikes. Um, and some, you know, for me, meditation and just cultivating self-awareness, I think basically is what it is. And you seem to have tuned that in. Is there any sort of um, tips you would give to artists that are feeling stuck? I know that, you know, getting rid of it, but what, what practices do you use? Do you have a meditation practice? What do you do? Yeah. So for me, nature is very much my meditation practice. I've never been one to traditionally spend like every day sitting and listening. For me, if I was to say something, it's like being out in the woods. Like I live surrounded by national forests or like whatever form of nature that is for me. But I know that if I am like in nature, that is like my daily form of meditation and things just come to me in that way. Um, the other big thing that I do is like my food and what I put in my body is so important. Like I like, you know, haven't eaten gluten, dairy. I think the biggest thing is like no additives, at least in the States, we have so many chemicals that can infiltrate our food. And so if I'm adding a lot of chemicals in my, like there's a lot of processed food that I'm eating and things like that, it just is harder if I'm drinking a lot of alcohol or if I'm, you know, putting a lot in. And so I'd say like the food and the diet piece is another huge part of it. And the other part of it is I give myself a lot of space. You know, that I used to work 12, 14 hour days. And I wonder what did I even do with that time? It's almost like I made myself busy because I thought I had to be busy because if I was busy, then I would be successful or something like that. And then I realized I don't actually enjoy working more than four hours a day, if even that. Like I like, and I like, and I'm spending a lot more time just having spaciousness so that if I feel an impulse, there's time. And I notice in myself, if I'm on calls 12 hours a day, day after day, I can have all the best meditation and intention in the world, but there's never going to be any time to act on it, to integrate any of it. So I give myself a lot of buffer. And even if you are in a traditional you know, job or you don't have the luxury right now of being like, I can work four hours a day, like, well, what are you scheduling after? Are you Netflixing and like numbing out to like a beer or a glass of wine at night? Like what, what kind of space are you giving yourself? And I just create a lot of buffer around me. And, you know, to some people you could be like, that's lazy and that's ineffective. Yet like I can do more in my windows, like minimum movement, maximum impact, what actually moves the needle forward than I can do if I'm out, you know, expending 10, 12 hour periods. And so honestly, I think that was the biggest re reorientation. Cause at first you're like, okay, I've got space. And then next thing you know, you're filling it with lunch dates and other things. It's natural. We like create space. We fill it, create space. And we fill it. But can you just give yourself more, more space? Even if that's one hour of unstructured space time and don't fill it with phone calls and don't fill it with Netflix, I promise you'll start to see that new intuition and new information will start filling itself there because it will have the room. And even if you try that on with just an hour a day or even 30 minutes of unstructured space, like this isn't nap time, it's active space, meaning like, you know, it's there. It's not like you're just numbing out to it. That um, I think really paves the way for things to land. So beautiful i love that idea of active space like you're actually giving yourself space and i think we've been so programmed especially in the west like you said earlier if you're not doing something you're losing 
you know, <laughs> you're, you're losing your competitive edge against the next person. Right. And so we're, we're so in this, uh, program mind of hustle and stress and, uh, constant urgency, you know? And so releasing that is counterintuitive to a lot of people. Definitely for me, I had to consciously do it because you, you have that feeling. Okay. If I'm not doing something, I'm losing, I'm losing competitive advantage. So it's, it's, it takes a conscious choice to slow down and give yourself the space. And it also takes the self-love to do it. You know, if you aren't, al- um, uh, if you're not uh, available to be by yourself with yourself, you know, cause a lot of people are just like, oh shit, I can't be alone because my thoughts drive me nuts. I need to, I need to numb out. I need to have a beer. I need to book a lunch date or something. And so being okay with whatever comes up in your, in your stillness, I think is why a lot of people don't do it as well, which really comes from, you know, that self-introspection, that self-awareness and that self-love. So these are the, the things for me that are so, so important. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it, the world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know, I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go.patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. Cool. So w- what's going on for you in business? Like what, what is your view of what this is going to look like moving forward, you know, through entrepreneurship, through leadership, what, what's going on for you? Yeah. Well, I think we're, we're kind of in like a renegade time right now. We're in a reinvention, you know, my, you know, one of the ways that my company has thrived on conventional life in the past has been through live experiences. You know, we've done these exotic events, these five day business life accelerators in these places. And right now we're working with different variables, like at least in America right now, like thanks to our dearest president, you know, we're exiled from most countries (laughs) right now. So, um, that's a whole nother conversation, but beyond that, like, so I think the model changing. And in so many ways, it's a time for reinvention. And I also think it's a time for reflection because I watch so many entrepreneurs, including myself, being like, does this even matter? Do my gifts and services even have a place? Well, who am I to be trying to sell transformative coaching when like racial injustice and like systemic racism is on their like rise and people are dying of COVID and all these more pressing, important things should have the stage. When actually more than ever, we have to double down on our genius and what wants to come through. And I'm going to say that again. You have to double down on your genius and what wants to come through right now because we are in an activation. We have been the last few years slowly shifting into a new consciousness. And I think some of us might identify being on the front lines of pioneering these ideas and, you know, taking these different meditation practices and all these things and, you know, transforming ourselves orienting to growth. And now that wave is over. So frontliners, if you've been in that wave, now is the time to double down and act and to actually create structure for the next wave that is actively coming 
that is actively being activated as we speak, who's pretty pissed about it because they weren't ready to be activated to like come and actually have a space to go. So we're shifting from being on the front line to now leading the next front line. For those of you that this resonates with, I trust you'll understand what I'm talking about. And if you don't, I trust that's okay too. And so I think as a business owner, transformation has been the name of my game. And I've been unattached to the form, whether it's music, whether it's events, whether it's coaching, I'm just in the business of transformation. And now I'm in the business of transformation at scale. So how do we co-evolve? How do I come from big fish of whatever pond I've created and big fish of whatever pond you've created and be willing to let go of the individual structure to co-create and co-evolve something much larger? And we're already starting to see these collaborations and things take place, whether it's in the form of Zoom chats or, you know, discussions and things like that. But that is the next wave of where we're going, is in the co-evolution, co-collaboration, and co-creation. And so I'm, you know, in this listening of myself of like, you know, I'm even creating this, um, you know, artist program called Threshold. I'm doing it with five other incredible artists and thought leaders. I don't feel really the desire to create another Jules program, though that might happen again at some other point, but it feels now is the time for collaboration. And so that was what I would offer to anyone, you know, listening to this is who can you leverage? Can you be willing to allow whatever you've built, even if you feel like you haven't really built anything, but can you find those aligned pieces? Because I think you know, it's almost like five points of a star. When we start orienting, we start moving so much faster in this co-evolution. And so if you're sitting here, I feel like I can't do this alone. I feel like my gifts don't matter. I feel like I don't have a direction forward. I feel like COVID's taken all my opportunities. My step might be like, can you find at least one other person who, to, who is interested with to talk to about it. Because I think if we don't have that buffer in joint, we will not be able to survive. You will not be able to survive on your own right now. And if you are trying to survive on your own right now, you're probably getting fucked. And I don't know if I can use that word on your podcast or not, but like literally that is how it is. That is how it is felt. Like shit is fucked on your own right now. And, and I think this is like moving forward. This is the template that we're being asked to step into. And so you know, I have this big event happening in Patagonia at the end of the year for the total solar eclipse. Talk about fitting, provided we all will be able to be there, you know, like 90 seconds of totality to end the 2020. Well, who knows actually where COVID will be, right? On that point in time, right? Or maybe it's the beginning of the next saga. Who knows? Whatever it will be. But, but I'm at a point now where like I'm interested in like really tagging in aligned people to help me create exponential transformation at scale because I've been in transformation on what I can do and now I'm interested in what we can do. And so no matter what you're doing in whatever business model you're, or artistry model, it's like you have to include other in my opinion, in order to really differentiate, but also in order to sustain your own personal mental well-being health, but also like we're bringing in space for the masses. We have got to anchor more space, more container to hold what is coming. We are going to see a huge wave of, we are already seeing a huge wave of what is coming. And if you want to be that space for that, it's got to be held with other, in my opinion. And so that's been a big shift in how I'm orienting. And really it's been looking for a lot of these aligned collaborations, a lot of discussions of, Hey, what is that thing you've been wanting to do? Well, I've had a similar thing. Is there an intersection? Okay. Maybe not over here. Let's be allies next conversation. And so I'm putting my 
inner council of collaborators together right now. And um, yeah, so that that is really a big shift that I've been making and one that I, you know, really advise if this conversation is resonating um, for you to, to look at in your own life because I just – we need it. We need each other more than ever. And this is not a requ- this is not like an optional thing at this point, in my opinion. It's really, I think, the model of how we will move and, and live and thrive forward. So beautiful. I love that. And so much of that resonates so deeply for me. That the idea of collaboration and, and community is is going to be something that is the the foundation of moving into the new system, the new paradigm, whatever is coming next that we need to be building together. Because where, where we've been, the sort of top-down hierarchy, this ego competitiveness in the marketplace where you know, it's strategic advantage against the next person. So I'm incentivized to misinform you or withhold information. There's no collaboration there for the greater good. So I totally agree with you on a, on a grander scale. We need to be in collaboration and community. And that also means that coming back to what you said about um, uh, being in touch with nature, I think we fundamentally lost our, our um, intrinsic connection to nature. You know, it's kind of like the fall of man was a man um, viewing himself, ourselves above nature, and it's at our control or behest, where in truth, we are in symbiotic relationship with nature, and we have to remember that that's the case because we haven't been acting like it. And so <laughs> in order to do that, we need to first be healing ourselves and then showing up in community, like you say, in, in collaboration. And the other thing you said about container, like that's something I learned from going to your unconventional life um, events. It's like the power of a container when you invite people in and they, and the, you set the intention for everybody to be, you know, uh, vulnerable and transparent and present and real, the amount of transformation that can happen in that container is exponential compared to any one person could do on their own. And so the more that we expand that container, like you were saying out to include, you know, more and more people, it just, we will begin to up level exponentially as a species. And I think that's really, you know, what needs to happen in order to transcend the the challenges we're seeing right now. So that's absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Of leveling as a species. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's where, that's where my sort of head is at. And just coming back to what you said earlier about music and like, does it matter if I write another song? Like, is it just going into the abyss? And so that's kind of been my dialogue with myself is like, how, where, where am I of most value? you know, or most impact. And if you're qualifying impact as the, um, let's put it this way. What is the de- the greatest use of my life? That is the greatest use for everybody and all life, right? Yeah. Or what is the definition of success? That is a definition of success for all. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a fundamental question I've been asking myself. And so what does that look like? You know, first on an individual level, it means healing and yeah. then being a better present uh, person for my immediately fa- immediate family, a better father, for example. Mm-hmm. And then moving that out as sort of like me as a nodal point. And then if everybody can sort of do that as nodal points, we create like a decentralized network of nodal points of everybody doing the same thing. So it's not this top-down hierarchical yeah. you know, system that we've been living under. So I have a lot of hope, frankly. You know, it's a scary time. Absolutely. But I've got a lot of hope because there's people like you doing amazing work. And I know, you know, hundreds of other people, thousands of other people that are doing the same thing across the world. So as we put these little nodal points in place, like creating this network that's exponentially going to expand within that container, like 
I feel good about it, you know, even though it looks like on the surface shit is in the van, it is. <laughs> but, but there's a lot to be helpful for. And it's just the, the idea that we don't get caught in the stories, in the yeah. fear and the drama of what's on the mainstream news, you know? It's like we have mm-hmm. to really tune into ourselves on an internal level to, to yeah. become those healthy nodal points so we can all up-level together. So, yeah. awesome. <laughs> so, uh, I want to be cognizant of your time, but just so tell us what is going on for you. What products do you have? You mentioned the threshold. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So, this is going to be launching um, open for enrollment starting uh, the 8th of August. It's going to be launching at the very end of uh, August. And so, it's basically a four-month deep dive um, looking at the intersection of art, innovation, and impact. And, you know, starting with this, how do you activate your voice, right? Whether you want to be a writer, a thought leader, a speaker, a musician, a poet, whatever expression it wants to take, how do you first activate your voice? And so it's going to be, you know, an inquiry of looking at how do I open to that? How do I create the conditions to thrive both physically in my body, in my nervous system, in my environment based on the commitments that I have, whether it's my job or whatever these things are. And then once we prime the pump, then we start looking at the different expressions that it has. It can take form. And so there's going to be all these different songwriting, you know, circles and also like artist collaboration circles. And then how do we innovate? How do we find new ways? Maybe that's finding five friends and you host a virtual, you know, concert or you host a virtual session where you read some art that you, you know, some poetry that you wrote or whatever it might be, or you actually have a talk that you've wanted to give and you do a 10 minute talk for five of your closest friends. And so we look at the different forms and, um, you know, by the end of it, you know, we're creating this network of conscious thought leaders, conscious artists, conscious creators. And so when we have places like Goalcast or Unify or other strategic media partnerships, how do we get to be the hub and say, hey, you're looking for someone for your event or your summit that does this? Oh, cool. We've actually been vetting this whole pool of talent here. Here's exactly that aligned fit. So we also get to be a broker for strategic connections for art and ultimately um, creation. And so threshold, I feel like we're at a threshold. We're about to, we need to go to the gate. We need to open the gate, walk through the gate, close the gate. We need to go through the gate at the threshold. And so this will be uh, a stewardship in that. And uh, we're bringing in, you know, um, so many different, there's five uh, strategic partners with it. There's going to be all kinds of just um, various forms of expression. So that's happening the end of August. And then uh, in December, uh, we've got the Unconventional Life Patagonia event, which will be a five-day accelerator on this beautiful piece of land, 200 acres. And we've got these Lotus Bell tents that are going to be popping up with their own furnaces inside and beautiful like pillows and hot springs are nearby on the river watching the total solar eclipse. And so that's happening in December. And then my uh, album that I recorded in Canada last year is also coming out this fall. So, um, so yeah, so all the, the pieces are happening and, you know, and I'm in, yeah, so I'm just enjoying the expression of all that. And who else, who knows what else uh, will emerge <laughs> in yes. this process, so. Beautiful. You always have stuff going on. I love hearing about it. I'm super excited for you. Threshold sounds amazing. And anybody who's never been to an unconventional life event, I highly recommend it. Uh, I've been to two myself and they were absolutely life-changing and the network of friends and people um, that I met there have just been, uh, it has been incredible. Um, so thank you so much, Jules, for your time today. I want to invite you, if you feel called, to perform a song. Would you be up for that? <laughs> I'm game. I'm totally game. Yeah? Okay, awesome. I have my ukulele. 
I, uh, real talk, have been writing more on piano lately, but I was thinking about um, doing this song that I actually wrote in Israel uh, last year. So I was invited on this trip with the Schusterman Foundation for this uh, thing called Reality, where they brought 40 musicians from all around the world together for a week-long experience. And I was standing at the Syrian-Israeli um, border looking at all this like bomb stuff that was happening and this song called Crossfire uh, got written like on the bus. Like everyone's like celebrating the ATVs and I'm like sitting with my ukulele, like strumming quietly, writing this song. And I just feel, um, part of it feels kind of fitting to where we are in the world right now, which is like at a crossfire in so many ways, whether it's like systemic racism or COVID or just like all these different pieces. So I figured maybe I could play a little bit of that for everyone. So beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take it away. I'm so excited. All right. So let's see if this works. Can you hear it? Okay. Stolen hearts Torn apart From the land That you gave us You took our home For your own Left to flee Without shelter I'm caught up in a crossfire Take me to a higher place Fighting for freedom Forgive our mistakes Caught up in a crossfire Feet on shattered ground Giving my everything to be Safe and sound Ooh 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 So I think so many of us are at this crossroad in our life right now where it can feel like a crossfire, whether it is in our own personal life or whether it's in our external life, it's hard sometimes to know how to go forward. And so just invite you as you've taken in this time that we've had on our podcast, our episode to just integrate whatever it is that wants to be integrated. I'm just going to improv a little bit for this last little part here, but go ahead and just close your eyes and just open and say yes. I'm a yes to allowing this crossroad and wherever you've been to just find its way through to move. Time I walk, time I pray. I feel the light open up a new day My heart is on its own path I give it all I take it back Cause I know Yes, I know I got love inside I got light inside, yes I know, 
light I got, the light I know has gotta flow, has gotta flow. The light I got, the light I know has gotta flow, has gotta flow. I open and I receive. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was awesome collaboration <laughs> with all of you so thank you i don't know how the audio came through but yeah <laughs> sounded great well jules i just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart you have done such amazing work in the world and have been so inspirational and instrumental in my growth and development i'm super grateful for you and everything you do so thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on this podcast and sharing this time with me. Tell everybody how they can get in touch with you if they want to know more about The Threshold or the, your unconventional life. Yeah. So if you like conversations like this, you can always check out the Unconventional Life podcast. It's on iTunes, Spotify. Just search Unconventional Life with Jules Schroeder. We've got like 200 plus episodes. And you can also head over to unconventionallifeshow.com. You can find out the details about Patagonia at the end of the year. And we'll be posting some stuff about Threshold there and uh, julesschroeder.com if you want to check out more of my music and all things associated that way. So. Yay. Thank you so much, Jules. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes for everybody who didn't catch that. And uh, beautiful. We'll talk to you soon. I love you. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do hit the subscribe button and share this episode with all your friends. And for more episodes and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.